So it's from it's from um, his uh, autobiography, or at least his biography of his time, autobiography of his time in the prisoner of war camp, uh, from which I will read. During those early months, the camp commandants were, uh, were changed quite often, and older men were being selected for such posts, while younger ones were drafted to the Western Front on occupation duty. Um, Dick, by the way, had been captured at Dunkirk in 19, 1940. Most of these older men had already known the 1914-18 war, yet despite their imperialistic upbringing, it seemed strange that so many of them could accept with such ardour the new Nazi regime. It was one of these reformed characters who almost kicked me to death on Christmas Day, 1941. Um, so Dick describes basically... Um, sort of looking out from the camp and seeing um in the occupied village uh these like sort of basically kind of conscientious objectors from amongst occupied polish families these men and women who'd, who'd refused to kind of assimilate really into the occupied german culture and had been basically put into old cavalry barracks um converted into into accommodation um and like the way that um, Dick describes this guy is, you know, like something out of a, a kind of war movie, right? Like it's, he's sort of like the stereotypical Nazi camp commandant, right? So he describes basically um, just for sort of some fun or some cruel, you know, pastime, like setting a huge pack of dogs, um, Alsatians, onto these um prisoners uh, or these 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 civilians um he said uh, uh as poles came swarming out like bolting rabbits from their burrows the pursuing hounds assailed them with the harsh growls and lacerating fangs those who could run ran and those who were caught in the cordon of gestapo and, and were caught in the cordon of gestapo men the old and infirm were easy prey and knocked to the ground riven unmercifully by relentless blood dripping jaws many of our company turned away nauseated by the foul spectacle um but hundreds leaned out and gave vent to violent echoing protests in no time the camp compound was alive with scurrying guards um so basically these um uh these like these men uh these um civilians were basically like kind of you know uh, set upon by dogs and the british uh, and, and other allied prisoners of war like oversaw it watched it happening from the windows of their camp and basically kind of started to you know revolt against the uh, uh, against the um the, 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 their occupiers right so um he goes on to say um I couldn't help thinking this was one of the Nazi methods used to terrorize Poles who so showed us any sympathy. Um, incidentally, it was the anniversary of a breakout, uh, and at the time, much sympathy had been shown. Christmas dinner that day was not impressive. Our earlier conduct did not warrant the usual generosity of the festive season, and at midday, we queued to receive one litre of barley, a tasteless grey mess which incited the bladder to endless activity. Nevertheless, quantity would compensate for lack of quality, so with scores of others, I slopped down the scalding soup and dashed down to queue outside the cookhouse in the hope I'd be included with those lucky enough to receive leftovers, or as they were universally known, bucks. Um, 
He describes then basically waiting for food, waiting for scrapings from the boiler. There was nothing left. Um, and he basically thought if he waited long enough, he could maybe get a final scraping. So Christmas Day, 1941, he said, I decided to stick it out to the very end. One hour, two hours, three hours, and still that door remained closed, the door of the of the, of the boiler. I was just on the point of retiring to the billet when, without warning, I heard a footstep behind me. There came a loud oath in German, and as I turned in amazement, I was caught off balance and went down beneath the sledgehammer blow of the commandant's gloved fist. Um, I could not move quickly enough, and before I could regain my feet, the German began a vicious attack upon my stomach with his heavy boot. I rolled aside, and he followed his assault, almost breaking my neck with a savage stamp of his heel. I arose, gazing into the haze of flashing stars and zigzags. My assailant had gone, leaving me bruised and battered and surging with acid hatred. Maybe revenge would be delayed, but providence would attend to that. Um, So that was Charlie Day's Christmas Day, uh, Mm. 1941. Mm. Um, What do you you make of that? (laughs) Not an ideal way to spend Christmas Day, but... uh will certainly make everything that follows like quite interesting um we should maybe rewind a little bit to talk about like how we ended up there yeah good so um uh, this is um a really interesting story in a way so 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 dick basically um had as i said grown up as a um a young boy, like interested in art uh, and poetry. It's sort of interesting. I think, you know, we talked about this when we talked about Jesse Knight, like there's a real kind of, you know, sentimentality in a lot of of tattooers that I don't think comes out a lot in the, um, you know, popular imagination of them. We've talked a lot about that for for lots of the people we've talked about on the show. Um, And he describes basically like, um, Joining the army. So he joined the army in 1939 Mm. at the outbreak of war. Um, And he said in an interview uh, many years later to uh, um, a tattoo artist called Ozzy Jobson, who was interviewing him for a British sort of tattoo industry magazine. um, My father had no tattoos, but he was not against it. When I joined the army myself, um, he even suggested I keep a permanently illustrated record of my travels in tattoo tattoo form. Um, and actually his autobiography and his poetry book are both, both have some of his illustrations in them. Um, he's a beautiful little, you know, a, a, a draftsman. I began to do this at Rawdon Camp, Hampshire, where an old tattooist had his studio in the front section of a cafe when nightly crowds of soldiers congregated for a wad and a cup of char and a tattoo. I'll always remember the particular smell of this rough and ready tattoo den. It was a mixture of hot tea, cigarette smoke, ink and sweat, with an overall cloak of carbolic. <laughs> 45 years later I can still vividly recall that almost solid aroma if anyone mentions tattoo to me I always recall the atmosphere of our first christening into the tattoo world how that old tattooist survived in such conditions is still a mystery to me he did mostly military type designs and knew them all by heart there was no fear of his massive machine breaking down it had the flash of a welding nozzle and the kick of a road drill and even though he used a single needle outline the power was the same that's why many soldiers got blotto before facing him. A further <laughs> boost to the operation 
was a constant shower of his cigarette ash, which fell upon the gory area of the tattoo. It stops excessive bleeding, he used to say when we complained. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it back. (laughs) What, using fag ash to heal your tattoo? What would TikTok say about that? Oh, I don't, I don't really care what TikTok has to say about that. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> oh, but like, fully could imagine someone saying, I was like, ah, it, it, it stops you bleeding. It disinfects the wound. You're fine. Dis- dis- yeah. Um, carbolic, by the way, is a, is um, a kind of um, like smoke. Uh, so yeah, um, carbolic, uh, you know, was this sort of thing that yeah was used as a disinfectant by tattooists as well like um kind of piece of nonsense medicine it's actually one of the first pieces of consumer protection legislation that came in (laughs) um 